Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just to flag that today's episode deals with issues around drug and alcohol addiction, which some listeners may find upsetting. Today on the Indo Daily, the one where Matthew Perry tells all. When the US sitcom Friends hit the small screens in the mid-1990s, it had a captive audience, despite its lack of diversity. What's WAPA? <laughs> you know, whipped. WAPA! <laughs> it's not whipped. Whipped is... <laughs> That's what I did. WAPA! Six quirky pals in neighbouring New York apartments cracking jokes, falling in and out of love and making stars of its ensemble cast. But when they reunited last year, quite the tonic for fans during the global pandemic, there were concerns for one cast member, Matthew Perry. It's certainly the way it works with all of us. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> Good. I've got a piece of a Kleenex. He slurred his words, he looked pale and bloated, and many wondered just what had happened to the man who gave us the compelling Chandler Bing with his acerbic wit. Hey, who's this, uh, this Casey? Oh, some guy she met at the movies. Oh, really? What, uh, what does he want with her? Well, I'm guessing he wants to do a little dance. <laughs> You know, make a little love. <laughs> well, pretty much get down tonight. But last week, with a new book sharing a searingly honest and ugly depiction of alcohol and drug addiction, Matthew Perry shared his ups and downs in his own words, in his own way, and in his own time. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and on today's episode, I'm joined by pop culture journalist Jen Gannon to talk about Matthew Perry's new book, his battles off screen, and why so many of us are rooting for him now. He was in a coma for 14 days, 
As he heals from all he's been through, there's still wear and tear on his voice and speech, and the scars on his body like a warrior back from battle. I was in that hospital for five months and, you know, escaped death really narrowly. Jen, Matthew Perry's new book is called Friends, Lovers and the Big Terrible Thing. I've read bits of it and it's a difficult read, but also a very important one, um, not just for fans, but to kind of get the idea across that struggling with an addiction is not a pretty scenario for anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a conventional memoir in the way that it follows those kind of familiar beats of the ascension to fame and you get, you know, his rise or his desperation to be famous, really, and to to make it in Hollywood and be an actor. But sewn throughout that is just this harrowing story of his complete addiction. And he doesn't spare any details. And I think for a lot of other stars, they might have glossed over a lot of the the nitty gritty, uh, you know, details of being an addict and, and the scourge of addiction. But he he doesn't do that at all with this with this book. And I think those people who are maybe expecting this kind of breezy behind the scenes look at friends and like that kind of gossip and his various, you know, dalliances with Hollywood stars, you know, you may get something a lot deeper and a, a lot more darker than you anticipate with this book. I mean, he the book starts with, uh, and I'm not going to give away everything in the book, um, although a lot has been revealed already, but it starts, Jen, with, hi, my name is Matthew, although you may know me by another name, my friends call me Matty and I should be dead. Mm. And I think the way that it starts and the tone that it has in some ways is almost like he's standing up at a, you know, Narcotics Anonymous or an AA meeting and this is his story. And it's got this kind of very casual tone almost where, you know, we expect because what we know from Matthew Perry, what we know as Chandler being, there is that tone of, um, you know, self-deprecating humour and that style. And I guess the success of this biog for people reading it will either be if you find that humour charming enough to go through, you know, this troublesome story with him and whether you, you know, that's where you want to go with him, whether you find that appealing or not. But I do think it's an interesting tone to take and it's definitely a reflection on the amount of time he has spent in those rehab situations and how frank and honest you have to be. And it's, it is almost uh, as if he is amongst close friends when he, when he is talking, ironically, about uh, his life. And he somehow manages to keep you laughing mm. as well. I mean, you're reading about horrific things like his colon exploding. He writes, um, let me repeat for those in the back. My colon exploded. I've been accused of being full of shit before, but this time I really was. Yeah, and I think, you know, it works both ways because I, I, like something like that, that's a punchline that you would expect him to kind of come out with. But it's also shocking in another way because he is talking about something that is so serious and he's been put in so many life-threatening situations. But I think, you know, it's it, the difference between this and another kind of maybe, you know, memoir written by somebody who wasn't a celebrity is that he is aware of how he is perceived in the outside world as this funny actor, uh, as a comic actor. So he kind of jollies you along almost with these really dark stories of of his addiction. Now, you spent uh, half of your life, you say, in treatment centers 
or, or sober living facilities. You've dropped $9 million in an attempt to remain sober. Why did you decide to share your story in ways you never have before? Nothing close to this. Yeah, I mean, much like Mariah Carey, it, it's just time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but let's hope, but let's hope you don't have to do it every year like she <laughs> that's does. That's true. That's yeah. true, and I don't wear the same outfit. But, like, sometimes that can backfire on him, that tone, because if you don't understand the tone, you can take things up the wrong way. And I think there's been a lot of press around him mentioning Keanu Reeves in uh, this book, and he mentions him twice in relation to he worked... Matthew Perry worked with River Phoenix on a film and he said, you know, River was a one of a kind and he was such a special person and that, you know, why does God take away these very talented people and Keanu Reeves walks amongst us? And he said it again after the death of Chris Farley, the actor as well. He said he punched a hole in Jennifer Aniston's dressing room wall when he found out the news on the set of Friends that Chris Farley had died. And he said, and yet Keanu Reeves still survives. And I think... What he was trying to do there, which was not successful, was just make it this kind of joke, like a punchline, like the butt of the joke. And the internet and the way that we see people now is very different to the way that Matthew Perry's humour was back then. And I think he's kind of a little bit frozen in time in that kind of Gen X sarcasm Chandler that humor and it doesn't translate these days because people took that as like literal and I do think it was a joke and he did come out and apologize for it. By the year 2000, he is still the star of the mega hit TV show now in its sixth year, but the spiral into prescription drugs has begun. 55 Viking in a day, which is where I was. 55? Yeah. How did you get 55 a day? Well, I had to wake up and realize that I needed to get 55 of them or I was going to be really sick. So I did all sorts of things. I had a bunch of doctors, fake migraines and all that stuff. And I guess the weirdest thing I did was on Sundays, I would go to open houses and go to the bathrooms in the the open house and see what pills they had in there and steal them. And I think they thought, well, there's no way that Chandler came in and stole from us. He's been to twice-weekly therapy for Mm. 30 years. Um, He's been in rehab uh, 15 times, attended more than 6,000 Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Mm. He even says himself in the book that if you look up the word addict, you should find his name there. Yeah, and I think anyone vaguely interested in pop culture was aware that Matthew Perry, you know, was tackling addiction problems all the way through Friends. And and, But I, I think... When he dropped off our screens, when we didn't see him in films or on TV, we just assumed he was fine and that he was living this very quiet, happy and healthy life. And we weren't aware that these problems were ongoing and and they were everyday like struggles. And I think, you know, the the one time it kind of slipped into public consciousness before the Friends reunion was the app Cameo, where celebrities do messages for a hefty price, some of them, um, where they do a minute little, you know, happy birthday for a friend or whatever and Matthew Perry was on for a time uh, you know asking for about $500 for uh, you know saying Chandler's best catchphrases and a lot of people were commenting saying he was slurry he looked 
bad. He looked in bad shape. And I think that's when people started to take notice again that maybe there there was something, you know, amiss there. And he is just tormented by a long list of demons, like you were saying there. I mean, at one point it was he was taking 55 Vicodin a day, addicted to alcohol, cocaine, Xanax, like the list goes on. And when you're saying about his colon exploding, like that is the apex of what you would think. But yet still, he manages to continue to have this absolutely life changing addiction that I fully accept it's a day by day process. Like, and I know that's the rhetoric that we hear around addiction, but when you're reading it in black and white and you see how long this has been for this man, you, you, it, it really hits home, I think. You talked about the Friends reunion there and uh, this took place last year to celebrate. Um, it was 24 years after after Friends, which ran for 10 years. And unless you lived on Mars, you knew what Friends was about. You didn't have to like it, but it was everywhere. It is everywhere now again. But it was that reunion for many of us that sat up when we saw Matthew Perry on the screen because he looked, you know, he looked very pale and very bloated and there was something going on with his speech. It was a little slurred and people were genuinely worried. And you could say that th- that was almost a catalyst for this book coming out now because there was so much concern there. It, Perry himself must have acknowledged the fact that, you know what, people do actually care and mm. want to hear what my story is. But there was a very good reason why his speech was slurred, as we find out in the book. There definitely is. And I think that became the headline of the Friends reunion, I think, uh, his appearance. And usually, I have to say, it's usually around the way the women look. But this time, it was the fact that he did look so starkly different. I think everybody looked a bit haunted on that couch, to be honest, and they didn't look the way that maybe we thought they'd look. We want them to be frozen in time because we've been watching them, you know, playing in a, you know, they're the fuzzy background noise to a lot of our lives. And like, the, but they're constantly, they're just there frozen in their 20s. So when you see them again and, and to see them marked, the vast difference in his appearance was shocking. And as you said, a lot of the actual Friends cast seemed very protective of him uh, in that reunion, but also the audience did because we were like, my God, he looks very vulnerable. He, 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 he's not, you know, the shiny, happy star that you should be if you you have 80 million in the bank or whoever millions he has in the bank. Um, and yes, his speech was very, you know, difficult because as we found out that, you know, he lost his teeth in a, a horrific story in the book where, you know, he bites into a peanut butter toast and, and his teeth Fallout. This one case, I thank the paparazzi because they were they caught pictures of me going into the dentist two days before the reunion. And I knew that there was something off with me because my mouth was on fire, but I also yes. knew that I had to show up at this reunion. There's so many people where I can't move it, I can't change it. So I basically went and did the best that I could, but I was on like six cylinders, not eight. He definitely felt, I think with the tabloid attention, um, that he did have to kind of answer why there was, you know, what was happening to him. And I think, yeah, you're correct in saying that he did probably feel this wealth of affection and warmth towards him and wanted to maybe explain his life and explain what he had been through since we'd seen him last. 
And Friends itself, I mean, here's six young actors uh, starting out. Uh, Courtney Cox was the only real star among the six. And now, uh, as we know, I mean, Jennifer Aniston is a global superstar. Uh, And quite rightly, she was excellent as Rachel. But um, Matthew Perry played Chandler Bing. Um, He was the cheeky chappy. He had the could I be any funnier lines. He was just brilliant. Could you want her more? Please, could she be more out of my league? Could we be more white trash? (laughs) Could I be more sorry? Mm, I think Richard Ayoade, uh, the comedian, he made a really good point and said that Chandler was so unique in sitcoms because he was allowed to be the funny one. Forever in sitcoms, characters, you know, that were humorous, the, the kind of the butt of the joke was on them and they were always being played for laughs. Whereas he was allowed to be funny in the series as in the other friends found him hilarious. So that marked him in like a, a different kind of territory. And I think people really engaged with that kind of humour, that, you know, Gen X sarcasm. And he seemed to comment on the proceedings of the sitcom itself so uh, and on the people around him. So he's almost like the audience surrogate at times. And I think that's why people connected with that, you know, Chandler character on. But he had such a massive cultural impact that character definitely had. The book gives us some great insights into Perry growing up and becoming an actor, uh, Jen. You know, we, we have great little stories, even one about uh, Justin Trudeau, yeah. the Canadian president. Like his mother, who was an ex-beauty queen, uh, she started working as a press aide to the Canadian Prime Minister, Pierre Trudeau, who is Justin's dad. And she briefly moved to Toronto. And then, you know, 10-year-old Matthew Perry was acting up and getting bad grades and running around the place. And he actually, yeah, ended up beating up Justin Trudeau, which is one of the stories in it. Um, And he does say, and I thought it was really funny, I decided to end my argument with him when he was put in charge of an entire army. You know, it is Tears of a Clown as well. We were sitting at home at the time tuning in to watch Friends once a week and Chandler's keeping us laughing. But behind the scenes, it's a very different story. I mean, he he was at one point dating Julia Roberts. I mean, Mm. this is how famous and huge these actors were, uh, that you could go from small screen and and still date or fall in love with like an A-lister like Julia Roberts or or Brad Pitt, Mm. even in Jennifer Aniston's case. And yet, in here's Matthew Perry ruining that relationship for himself because he just he couldn't be sure his addictions wouldn't mess it up for him. Excuse me. Uh, is your name Chandler? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Chandler Bing. Do you know me, or are you just really good at this game? I'm Susie Moss. Fourth grade, glasses. I used to carry around a box of animal crackers like a purse. Susie Moss? Right, yeah, wow. You look... Great job growing up. And he also has the thing, he he says a lot throughout the book that he liked to end relationships with women before he thought that they would end them. And he said the look on Julia Roberts' face when he was actually breaking up with her was something he'll never forget because I doubt that Julia Roberts, uh, she probably can count in her hands the amount of times that she's been broken up with. So yeah, I think he has that vulnerability to him about rejection and about abandonment. He talks a lot about how he struggled 
when his father left, um, he used to, you know, when his mother and father divorced when he was very young, he would be left to travel on his own on the plane. And he, he, that's a big memory of his. It's um, just abandonment issues. Are, and I think that is sewn into his vulnerabilities, sewn into his addiction and sewn into his trouble with women and trouble to actually find a partner or trust someone enough that he can be himself around, I think. But yeah, I mean, friends, it's fascinating to me that every day on the internet, someone will newly discover that Julia Roberts and Matthew Perry had a liaison. Like, um, I, I do think that they were like, it's like the TV Beatles is the only way you could describe it. And to see, to know that, you know, behind that there is, I mean, we know this about those successful TV shows that behind the scenes, everything obvi obviously isn't, as beautiful and great as it appears to be, but to know that he was, as he said, you know, he can pinpoint in every season what he was addicted to uh, when he looks at himself. So he says if he's carrying weight, he was, you know, big on the alcohol. If you see Chandler being very, very skinny in episodes, he was, you know, addicted to the pills. And then he said when he had the famous goatee, they said he was on a lot of pills and doesn't remember filming whole days of Friends, which, you know, because Friends is such a comfort for people and it has, we all have these kind of warm feelings about it. Um, and because the message in Friends is always, you know, everything is going to be okay once you still have your friends around you. Um, and, you know, there's no problem you can't face, like without, you know, the help of others will always help you out. And then to hear that and to realize he was so alone and very deep into that addiction, it does, put a different spin on the show itself, I think. And my thanks to pop culture journalist Jen Gannon for joining me today. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced and researched by myself, recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Good Morning America on ABC, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert on CBS, Friends from NBC, the Friends reunion trailer from HBO Max, BBC and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. And you can find more of our award-winning journalism online at independent.ie. 